Well, I think it's Holy Week. Holy Week, Palm Sunday yeah. of the Lord's Supper. Is that what it's called? Lord's no. Passion. <laughs> That's Thursday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll have the Lord's Supper very soon, very soon. Um, although I got to say, I, I don't particularly understand um, why we do the Passion reading on Palm Sunday. Can you explain yeah. that to me? No, I don't know. What I will say, though, is this is an instance, this, this liturgy in particular is one that really frustrates me. And we were kind of talking about this a little bit before we started recording. Um, but this one is one, and the vigil kind of falls into this, although it's it's harder to do the vigil poorly, although it's possible, don't get me wrong. <laughs> um, yeah. It's harder yeah, to do that challenge one accepted. poorly mm-hmm. than this one. Like this one, I feel like, gets the shaft almost every single year. Because it's filled with such beautiful imagery um, and such beautiful prayers and antiphons and psalms and everything is going on. And there's movement. There's there, It's such a dramatic thing. Yeah, yeah. And we never hear any of it. Because, hmm. because, what's the reason? Uh, I don't know. What the, super, the super long passion reading. It's like, oh, oh well, there's that thing. So I we see. can't do all this other stuff. People don't want to sit see. through all that. It'll, they'll see. just be bored, blah, 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 blah. Now, okay, oh, yes. If if all that we do is drone on and on and on, yeah, people are going to be bored. That's not yeah. how to preside well. Yeah. But, and this is kind of what I was saying um, to, my, to my point, um, like this is the huge darkness that's the shadows of like a liturgical minimalism. Like if it's just about, you know, proclaiming the word and sitting around a table, then these beautiful images and metaphors and and biblical references, yeah, they don't mean anything because we don't do them. And it's like, okay, well, whatever. It it is just a really long, one really long sermon. Yeah, Um, totally. Yeah, you know where I thought you... No, go ahead. No, go ahead. What I thought you were going to say about this was that since the Passion reading is so long... Uh, the Palm Sunday dimension of this mm-hmm. Sunday <laughs> is completely muted. Um, yeah. It's like we do the gospel at the beginning from the door if yeah. you do it. You if know? you do it, yeah, that's the thing. And it's like, wait a minute, it's Palm Sunday. And of course, like, we're going to do um, the Palm Sunday reading, but why is that not just the gospel for the day? You know, why? Do, like, and so everything, all of that gets truncated. And basically ignored because we have to do the long passion reading, and so it's a it's a there's a conflict um, mm-hmm. of the different of the different feasts. Like there's a Palm Sunday and there's a Passion Sunday uh, collision here, and, right. and I think I, I'm not sure about this, and so I stand to be corrected, but I, I might be good to do some research on this later. I think in the old calendar there was Passion Sunday, which was the Sunday that we just celebrated before Palm Sunday. Is that which right? is why, which is why the uh, that's the day that the the statues are veiled, and also I was noticing this today within that week before Palm Sunday, like the prefaces for Mass are the ones not for Lent, but the ones mm-hmm. for the Passion of the Lord. Oh, interesting, interesting. Yeah, I wonder. So, I have to. I'll have to look at that to see uh, yeah. to see what that is. It's and a so, it's and, an interesting mashup. I mean, yeah, it, it. I guess it. I guess it makes sense if you want to consolidate things, but it totally does take over the Palm yeah. and Sunday so, aspect and, of it. Right, right. And so I guess, you know, my point is that 
there was at some point in the revision of the calendar a mashing up of Passion Sunday and Palm Sunday, which I think is actually not an intuitive mashup because Palm Sunday will then get completely eclipsed, mm-hmm. you know, by the Passion reading. Mm-hmm. And you know? we're going to have another Passion reading on Friday. Right, right. That's exactly right. It's, it just seems so bizarre. So bizarre. Yeah. Um, I mean, that being said, that being said, uh, just to jump right into it um, with the readings for Palm Sunday, um, I want to say two things really quick. Right off the gate, right out of the gate, I would say th- this is this is one of those Sundays where like getting into the nitty gritty of the readings is really difficult because there's just so much of it um, where it's like, oh, what do you really like gravitate towards? So like one one global comment to make that I think could be an interesting way to preach. First off, I think preaching this Sunday should be brief. Um, but I think one global comment to make is that the the beginning of Mass has a gospel, which is the entrance to Jerusalem, and then the gospel at, after during the Liturgy of the Word is the death of Christ. Mm-hmm. So the, you could have this whole thing of like today we're we're going through the entirety from beginning to end of what we're going to do with the Triduum. Yeah, like, it's an overture. It's an yeah. There you go. Like it's an overture into the Triduum from beginning to end. Here are the major themes that we're going to look at. Yeah, you know, I would, if I were to, and I can't remember what I did when I was at the parish in Denver, um, but what I'm leaning more towards, kind of, again, going back to what I was saying earlier, like the liturgy itself is so rich with with teaching things like prayers and, and hymns and psalms, like I was saying. I am almost tempted to, not to point out and say, hey, you listen to this, but just to encourage people, so twofold, right? To encourage the people gathered to be more attentive to what is being said and what is being proclaimed and what is being, you know, prayed. I would yeah. also encourage the fathers out there to make sure that they are presenting these prayers and these readings in really a, a prayerful manner that, that communicates what this, to, okay, granted, maybe two very different um themes but like i would just lean into that is i guess what i'm trying to say lean into the mass lean into the ritual mm-hmm. and use mm-hmm. use mm-hmm. these yeah there are two of them use these two moments to kind of navigate that and to to facilitate that yeah yeah i love that you use the word overture i think that's a really good good way to summarize what this sunday could be as an introduction to mm-hmm. holy week like and actually, like since since I don't think either of us would want to preach too much this Sunday because of the length of the gospel, um, like that might just be the point. Is <laughs> like, you know, we have begun, hmm. and here are the major themes. You know, uh, the kingship of Christ in glory and the humility of the Christ crucified as a as a common thief. Um, like those two those two poles are what we are in tension between during this triduum coming up. Um, like that might be a whole, and like that's like the whole mystery of our salvation. Like, you know, the second reading, you know, is mm-hmm. the Philippians hymn is that he did not mm-hmm. deem equality with God something to be grasped. Like that's the glory of the Hosanna in the highest. But then he is on this constant descent, you know, from the entrance to Jerusalem to the cross. And, you know, it's an ascent to the mountain, but there's a descent there in his existence um, towards death. And like that might be the theme that we want as an overture this week is that here you have the Philippians hymn kind of as a musical overture that captures that is that the descent from divinity to humanity and humanity mm-hmm. to death 
you know, which is about to under, be undertaken. And the, the preface echoes that as well. It says, For though innocent, he suffered willingly for sinners and accepted unjust condemnation to save the guilty. His death has washed away our wow. sins and his resurrection has purchased our justification. It's like, there it is. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. that should be, uh, I mean, that should be on the door, right, for people to, as they're walking in and saying, this is what we need to be meditating on this entire week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, really quick, I want to maybe pivot, uh, even though I mentioned, like, getting stuck in the nitty-gritty of the readings might be, you know, a fool's errand. But I, I was thinking, and, you know, I, I kind of want to hear your thoughts on this. Like, we're given the privilege of Luke's passion mm-hmm. reading. And, you know, since you like Luke so much, I, I was thinking about Luke, like, g- given the fact that we have the passion reading from Luke, I wonder, like, what's unique about Luke's version? Like, that might be a way to preach this Sunday as well. Like, what is the uniqueness in his gospel account of the passion? And, like, really honing in on that rather than just speaking generally in broad strokes of, you know, Jesus will die on the cross on Friday. But, like, we get the, we get the luxury of actually reflecting on Luke's take on that. Like, what's unique here? That might be what I would want to preach on if I want to preach on the passion as opposed to what I'll preach on on Good Friday, which I think might be John's yeah, version. Yeah, that's really, that's really interesting. I want to say... And I can't remember off the top of my head. I, I used to, I used to go on about this when I would teach, when I would teach this in, at high school. Um, there is something, and I can't remember what it is. I want to say there's more focus on uh, the two, the two well, thieves and the centurion who yeah, witnessed yeah. this man was innocent beyond so doubt. The- I want to say that's Luke. So the Luke Luke for sure has the two thieves, like that's yeah. not explicit in the other gospels. I think I think Mark says that he was crucified among thieves or something, but I think it's Luke that gives us the mm-hmm. the narrative of yeah. their interaction with him. Today you know? will be with me in paradise. Um, yeah, I think the centurion is also in Matthew's gospel or something like that. But the I think the emphasis in Luke may be, and I think this is true all throughout his gospel is a lot of the emphasis on forgiveness. Like, Father, forgive them. They know not yeah. what they do. Um, and then also forgiving the repentant thief. Like, so the cross for Luke seems to have the the particular emphasis on forgiveness yep. of there's, sins, you know, and the forgiveness. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? And there's also this theme that for Luke, um, recognition of who Jesus is often comes from unlikely places. So, like, we're mm. learning this really beautiful insight into the divinity of Christ from a thief hanging on the cross, you know, just, yeah, let's say yeah. justly, you know, we, we talk about Jesus being hung up unjustly, but <laughs> he probably did a lot of bad things, but, and yet he's still willing to proclaim Jesus as Lord and seek mm-hmm. f- uh, forgiveness, repentance. Um, yeah. You know, similarly with the centurion, these were not men that were <laughs> well loved by the by the nations that they occupied, right? They're this liter- the literal mm-hmm. symbol of Roman oppression. Um, yeah. And yet he is, they're saying this man was innocent beyond doubt. Um, all the while, all of Jesus, all, literally all of Jesus, except for the beloved disciple, were gone. They ran away. They were the ones that should have been there right. saying that. Um, yep, yep. Yeah. Hey, you know what I'm remembering now is that so two weeks ago, um, two weeks before Palm Sunday, we had the reading from Luke chapter 15, which was the, the prodigal son. 
And I remember one of the things that we were talking about is that Luke really likes to give us uh, two people things. Like, you, you know, you have Mary and Elizabeth at the visitation, and that's in Luke's gospel. You know, you have Mary and Martha in Luke 10. That's Luke's gospel. You have the older son and the younger son. You know, that's Luke's gospel in chapter 15. Uh, and then later, as we get to the resurrection, you'll have the two disciples on the mm-hmm. road to Emmaus. Um, and so, like, all these couplets, these these duplets <laughs> that are always next to each other in in Luke's gospel. And here you have the two uh-huh. thieves. And so I wonder if there's something there, too, that you could have this theme. That might be too much for this uh, for this homily, for this Sunday. But, like, to help form my thinking around what Luke is after. Like, he's constantly presenting these these contrasts between mm-hmm. people as maybe options for your reflection on what path you take, you know, um, like the older son, the younger son, the Mary, the Martha, I don't know, like there might be something there. And clearly here with the older, th- the, sorry, the repentant thief and the unrepentant thief is that those are two people who died with Christ. And mm-hmm. so like when we talk about martyrdom, that's dying with Christ. And so how will you die with Christ? Yeah. yeah. Will you die. Will you, will you die like that guy? Yeah, or you I think die that's like, a hugely like that important uh, thing to think <laughs> about. Especially, I mean, seriously, like, especially looking at um, uh, that moment, and I've spoken about this quite often, I love thinking about it, that moment between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, when things are yeah. quiet, there are no, there's no mass, there's, Jesus is dead. <laughs> like, what do you do? Well, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't have an answer for that, but. That's wild to no, think about. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it was it was one of my professors in Spain that that kind of illumined illuminated my mind on that one about these two thieves uh, are literally dying with Christ, which is the goal mm-hmm. of the Christian mm-hmm. life is to die with Christ. Um, but but dying with Christ uh, is only is only true Christianity if you're willing to rise with Christ. Um, you know, be today you'll be with me in paradise. And so I just kind of think about that in terms of like, you know, Jesus is, uh, he never condemns the zealots, but he doesn't identify mm-hmm. himself with them. Like he's not after just like a glorious death. He's not after like, let's see how like victorious I can be in rallying, you know, the opposition of Rome so that I can die gloriously for a cause. It's like there's something stranger, which is dying, dying for a cause, but then resurrecting on the mm-hmm. other side. Like there's life. I don't know. And so maybe there's something there of an examination of how, how is my willingness to die with Christ open to eternal life and not just a public witness of my righteousness? Yeah, know? I mean, it, beco- it very quickly becomes self-referential if, that's, you know, if, our, if our goal is to say, look at what I've done mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of look at Jesus. <laughs> you know, that's... That's the struggle that I think we all face is that especially as in these day in these days with, you know, the globalization mm-hmm. and, and the transfer of information that happens at, you know, crazy speeds. It's like everything is so self-referential. Um, our faith is for sure. You know, we've got all these famous people that are yeah. saying weird stuff. It's like, well, that's great. But yeah. remember, this is about dying with Jesus. <laughs> that's right. And, and rising, rising exactly, with him afterward. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hey, here's another, and I'm just throwing a bunch of stuff out there just because the gospel is so long, things that are, my mind is sort of gra- gravitating towards. Um, one of the things I was thinking about, too, is that the, there's an instruction note in the middle of the gospel, mm-hmm. um, which kneel. is, hear all kneel and pause. Yeah. Um, and I was thinking about, like, 
the that's the same note that uh, is given to us on the Feast of the Annunciation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. at Christmas during yep. the Creed um, for the Incarnation. Yep. And so I thought maybe there's an interesting link there between that you could yeah, preach on. Yeah, like is that, that we we kneel at the Incarnation and we kneel at uh, at the death mm-hmm. of Christ. I don't know there might be something that you could do there with like the what mystery. It's all one mystery ultimately. Yeah. Like our salvation is is the life, death, and resurrection of Christ. And we we kneel at his life, we kneel at his mm-hmm. death. You know, um, yeah. I don't know. No, that's interesting. You know, too. we talk because it, it does often come up when during Advent and Christmas season. You know, like okay, well, he he literally did. Um, he was born two thousand years ago. So what? Like, what's going on here? It's like, well, it's not just about celebrating his birth. It's it's that um, eschatological realization that God became man. And like, what does that mean? Right. And so I think this is a great, you know, there's often that, that reference to the crucifixion that we make explicit when we're talking about Christmas, but we don't often go the other way around. We don't think of at this moment, like, just like you just did, like, oh, this, this reminds me of the nativity. Um, And I, and I, I do love that, that imagery of not that imagery, but that just that, that way of thinking about this as not being just an isolated event, but all-encompassing. This is the life, death, and resurrection. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's cool. I like that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, my, my brain is just sort of like swimming in this passion yeah. reading, and you could just really grab anything, you know? Um, so, like, I think there's like a tension between trying to do it all and then just sort of like throwing your hands up and saying, I can't even enter into yeah, this. It's just no, too much. I, you know, I think... As we've been talking, and I totally agree, I think it's, I would not preach about any of this stuff. I don't know that I would preach at all. Um, but, like, I don't mm. think that we should go into, not even talking about us priests, but I don't think the faithful should go into this liturgy blind. Like, I think there needs to be kind of what we're doing right now, this conversation on the readings, this conversation on the prayers, this conversation on what on what we're about to do, because it is so it's a workout. Like there's no getting around that. It's, it's going to be a slog. And if you, if you just go into it expecting nothing, well then you're going to be miserable. (laughs) But if you go into it prepared and it's like, Oh, you know, there's this thing that I've been meditating all week from this part of the gospel. Uh, and now that I'm hearing it proclaimed, something else might jump out at me. But if I'm, yeah, if I'm just there to zone out, then yeah, it's going to be miserable. Um, so I would actually, right. you know, depending on when people listen to this episode, like get into it as soon as possible. Talk about it with friends, you right. know, pray about this stuff uh, because I guarantee mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. preacher. And if he does, that should be, a, <laughs> that should be a flag. If they do preach about every single thing, it's like, Ooh. um, but there's so much there to, to pray with. Um, yeah, there's yeah, some ownership, absolutely. uh, of this liturgy that I think we need to take back. Yeah, absolutely. Um, really quick, just as a, as a little parting thought, uh, again, just kind of looking at a random little detail that I just uh, focused on in the gospel. Um, you know how we often talk about, uh, Jesus says, you know, carry your cross and mm-hmm. come after me. Um, oftentimes, I think we don't actually actually follow that instruction clearly because we often say, Jesus ca- like, Jesus carries my yeah. cross with me yeah. or... I cry. I carry my cross with Jesus. But looking at this gospel passage, it makes it very Simon. clear. Simon the Cyrenian <laughs> yeah. was there, but then it says, after laying the cross on Simon, 
they made Simon carry it behind mm. Jesus. Hmm. Like, <laughs> so, so actually, like, Simon isn't helping Jesus yeah. carry the cross. Yeah, he's carrying it. He's carrying the cross for him, but Jesus is yep, leading the boom. way. I love that. I'd never thought of that before. That had never that had never hit <laughs> Isn't that me. Cool. That's so cool. <laughs> yeah, I mean that might be a whole homily Absolutely. right there. Absolutely. Wow. Hmm. Wow. Cool, man. All right. Till next time. All right, pal. Peace.